Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of A Hard Style Podcast. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code BACKPACK. PrizePix will match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today. Hardstyle Podcast, episode 224, Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here. Yeah. Brian is hyped. He's ready. You see his shirt. You see the smile on his face, people. If you're watching this on YouTube, he's got the Miami red on because his Miami Heat are in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's in a great mood. He's in a great mood. Are you trying not to laugh? I see you trying not to laugh. Heat and five is all he Twitter says, you know. Oh man, he's, he's hyped for the people, but he's not alone. I'm in a great. They're not going to win this series in five, by the way. Five is too little. It's five is too good. little. You're we'll not willing. To, you're not willing to go there yet. No, Boston's really good. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. Okay, okay. I don't know if I trust him, people. I don't know. I don't know. But we're gonna get into that. He's in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. As y'all know, Kendrick dropped his new album last Friday. I was really pumped about that. Still in a good mood. We are going to talk about. Brian's love, the Miami Heat. Let's talk about Kendrick Lamar on this podcast. Joining us to talk about that is a guy who loves both of those things. You know him from Five Reasons Sports. He also is a big fan of Kendrick Lamar like myself. Greg Sylvander joins us now on the A Hotel Podcast. Greg, what's up, man? What's cracking? Yo, this is um, a lot of fun. Happy to be here. Um, thank y'all for having me. And yes, it's like perfect timing. The Heat and Kendrick Lamar. I'm in heaven, essentially. Like this is as close as we get here on Earth, huh? Hey, hey I, I hear you. It's, it's it's a good time. I'm not really in, on the Heat side of that heaven part, but I, I, I get it. I get. I get we'll get, I get you the, there. We'll get you there. I get, I get another five, y'all. It, he's a, a he's a Nick fan, Greg. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can talk bad, about dog. those. We can talk about those old battles. But a Nick fan, I will who notes who does respect the Heat. I have a lot of respect for the Whoa. Heat organization, despite them stealing away Pat Riley back in 1995. I let, that go. Too. I, I let that go. I let it go, man. I let it go. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I let it go. But we got Greg Sylvander here with us. Greg, as we do with all other sports journalists and sports media members we have on this, we love to know, let you introduce yourself, let you the people know what it is that you do and how you got into this sports media game. So the floor is yours. Wow. I didn't get the I didn't know I was gonna get the opportunity to wax poetic about myself, but I'll yep. take it. Um <laughs> so Miami Heat Insider, co-host of Five on the Floor, I guess is what my Twitter bio says. So that has to have something to do with what I do. Uh I really like this all started um it's funny enough via Twitter. It was a, a crazy vehicle to connect heads that were like-minded and wanted to do um, you know it was really primarily about the Miami heat where I kind of dove in with Miami heat beat and we started doing the podcast there. Um, A lot of fun 
you know, relatively successful considering we're just, you know, some uh, unorganized crazy fans at that time. Uh, just wanted to talk about the team. Um, but then the Twitter thing grew. The information thing continued to grow. Uh, got involved with Five Reasons Sports Network as a part of Miami Heat Beat and then stuck around there now as the co-host of Five on the Floor, which um, is basically a daily show. Ethan has us recording about the Miami Heat daily. We've talked about everything that has to do with that team this season, uh, but happy to do it. Excited to be involved in doing something I love, talking about the team that I love. Been a Heat fan since 1991. Um, been a hip-hop fan since right around that same time, coincidentally. and. Uh, and yeah, so that's essentially how I got here. And um, I've, you know, also spent some time in my in another lifetime as an MC who would try to record albums and do shows oh, and do all that. that. So, so that is a part of my life as well. If you guys, you know, that's where kind of the roots of the hip hop thing come from. Is that that was initially my dream was to be an MC. Uh, well, not be an MC, but be an artist that was, you know, dropping albums and doing all that. And you know, now I'm 40 and not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you still, you still can. You ever seen that movie, 40 Year Old Rapper? That's that's that's, that's a good one. Well, that don't sound good to me. It's, dog. it's actually, I'm telling you, it's actually. <laughs> Wait, that's a, that's not, a real movie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 40. What's it, what's it called? 40. I, I feel like it's 40 Year Old Rapper. It's about this. There's woman. four year old virgin. Yeah, 40 year old version, but there's 40 year old rappers about a woman who decides to eventually start spitting at the age of 40. She's a teacher full time, but she decides to start. It's it's actually I bet good. she ain't white. She was not white. Yeah, see. Was that that predictable? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, from my perspective, it's another roadblock that I just don't feel is worth me going down. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, well, since we got since we got on that, it made me think about something else because you you said you got into hip hop, and at one time you actually were going to try to rap. Like, who was who were your inspirations, or what what was the inspiration behind you rapping? Was there any artist, oh. particular album, anything like that? I didn't try to rap. I could spit, and I still can flow. I can freestyle. You I stay away clip. from that stuff for the most before. part. Yeah. Um. But essentially. I was like, if, if you had to mix it together, it was a little bit of Wu-Tang. I got a lot of Cypress Hill, Be Real, just because of the tone of my voice. A lot of heads would uh, compare it to Be Real. But it had some atmosphere influence, some Brother Ali influence at that time. Um, but, I mean, it's rooted in in the Outkast, in the Nas, in the Biggie, and, you know, all the stuff I grew up listening to. Um Eminem, if I said he wasn't an influence, I'd be lying. So, you know, it, it's taking little parts from all of those different artists, uh, even some real like off the cuff ones like Cage and uh, Sage Francis and heads like that that are not even really like dope anymore. And I don't really listen to. But like there was so there was a little blend of all that that, that I uh, that I got involved in. You know, uh, Wu was one of the biggest things that um, obviously influenced some of that, too, just from a pure music perspective not a lot of singing hooks a lot of sample heavy <laughs> stuff right, always right. have somebody scratching on every track like those yes. were some of the rules that we had back when uh this was 2001 2002 so i mean oh, we're talking okay. 20 years ago 20 years ago yeah so top top three wu-tang members greg I don't even think oh, I've wow. Well, you, spring, you always do this, bring these questions yeah. on me. Like, this is introspective <laughs> stuff. I just can't meditate with this for four days. Now, um, <laughs> one is, uh, I mean, I, I got to give it to Ghost. Um, That's my number one. Just because, we'll, we'll like, talk throughout about the him years, soon, he, too. 
because he he's on Kendrick's to layer album. on dope. I mean, he's on the Kendrick album, yo. So like, that's yeah. why he's number one. Anyway, um, I would say that. Let's say Jizza, and then we go Meth. That's probably it. But I mean, mm. on a different day, I could talk myself into Ray. Same. Um, but that's as probably as far as I go. But back in that day, like in the time of of when Wu-Tang was like just popping for me, it was Inspected Deck and Method Man because of the lyricism and the delivery. Like that stuff had me captivated back then. Now yeah. my rankings have changed. Yeah, yeah I was I'm, a big I was a big Inspected Deck guy. Big yeah. one at one point in my life. And I was, I've always been a big Ghost fan. Ghost is probably my number one. Same. Has been, probably will be. Um, so yeah, that's not that that's good there. By the way, I want to make a note that movie that I said it is not called Forty Year Rapper because that probably would be a horrible title. It's actually called Forty Year Old Version, like playing off a of virgin, but virgin. virgin. Oh, so there's this okay. different version of the woman in her skills rapping. The movie's actually good. I highly recommend it uh, for for anybody. It's actually a really good movie. It came out a couple years ago. It's on Netflix. But, that made it that it made it immediately better. It no, did, right? The title didn't make it better. The title didn't make it better. It did. Like 40-year-old rapper. That's the best title you could do. Like, come on. <laughs> like, like, Jesus, that's the best you could do. Um, something you mentioned, Greg, you talked about your path into sports media and journalism. And one of the things Brian and I like is yeah. that it's an unconventional path. And you know, I had kind of had that in a way, and so I have a lot of respect for for people doing that and sort of creating their own lane. And I know Brian does too, something we talk about a lot on this podcast. Um, I'm sure you found challenges with that, but I also would assume that you, there's some satisfaction in doing oh, yeah. that. And, and, and how has that felt for you, you know, sort of creating that unconventional path? It's awesome. I mean, like, people don't understand, and Ethan teases me about it. Like, when I cover a game, when I'm credentialed for a game, like, I have literally pinch me moments throughout the entire time that I'm there. And I do not take it for granted. It's like a spiritual experience for me. So like the fact that I am, and I know that that's, I say a lot of that for dramatic effect, just to articulate how much it, it, how dope it is for me. But like, truthfully, there's some, uh, you know, there, there's truth to all that. Um, The unconventional path part of it, it's funny. It's like, you're not legit. And then all of a sudden, like people start acting like you're legit. Cause like the thing that like people have pointed out is like this stupid check mark that I got, which I think is cool. <laughs> like when I think about my account, having 160 followers back in, in 20, in, in 2009. But, um, I do think that there's this weird, uh, tunnel vision that happens on Twitter where we think like that that's real life to some degree. And, um, what I've learned more and more about getting into this is that, the more that you just think that it's all about what's on Twitter or whatever platform that you're on, that that's where you go astray. For me, what opened my eyes is when I realized that there's a lot of heads that are like the world is bigger than Twitter. The world is bigger than whatever platform you're on. And the minute that that kind of like opened myself up to like going on YouTube, uh, getting involved with the network in different kinds of ways and not just being all of Twitter centric it, it kind of just opened doors for me in an unconventional sense. Uh, I got lucky that I have some, you know, information from time to time. Nothing like, you know, the greatest of the newsbreakers. I never want to make it seem like I'm some sort of uh, end-all, be-all when it comes to sources and stuff like that. Like, I'm probably the 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 um, epitome of fan with sources to some degree. Um, and so, like, that's just kind of the the path. But it's super fun and it's gratifying because, like, 
the funny thing is, is I'd be talking about the heat like this anyway. So like now I just get to do it, get paid to do it and um, enjoy what I'm doing, you know, all at the same time. So, you know, that's kind of the, that's my spiel for today. Well, on that note, well, on that note, because Dexter and I have had a recurring sort of Miami Heat centric thing on this podcast, (laughs) uh, where uh, in 2019 is when I really began following the team closely because I, Greg, we've talked about this. I'm not somebody who like grew up a Heat fan or whatever the case may be. But in 2019, I was sort of banging the drum once they got Jimmy Butler. And even before that, I was like, yo, they're going to be really good. Why don't anybody think they're going to be good? with Bam Adebayo, who's probably going to win most improved player. Like, I was saying all this shit before the season. That's when I started listening to Five on the Floor, actually, on a regular basis. I was listening to you, Ethan, and whoever else was on the show at the time, Alex, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the very many guests, and so, so to speak. So I started following the team very closely. And then also Five Reasons Sports very closely, which, you know, a network that I now do some stuff with, obviously. And... Around that time is when Dexter's like, oh, you're a Heat fan, you're a Heat fan, and we've had this whole thing going on. But I very he is, much... He is, people. He's a Heat fan. He is. I like this team a lot. I thought I this love, was common knowledge. I love... I love <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that. Hold yeah. on. I, I like this team a lot. I love how they are operationally, organizationally, do all the right things. They operate in a way that I really respect and would probably do the same way, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, I do like this team very much. What I will also say, though, is... As a result, I've also noticed that a lot of people don't quite understand the Heat from an outsider perspective, Greg. Oh, for sure. And that's something that you talk about a lot. And fans say this a lot, like, oh, nobody respects us, whatever, whatever. But for Miami in particular, it seems to be true. So I want to know, like, some of the misconceptions and what do not, what do people not understand about this current team, the organization in general? Why are they so undercovered? Whereas we sit here ahead of the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're about to play the Boston Celtics. And I feel like nobody outside of Miami and people who actually really know about this team actually know about this team. You sound just like Ethan Skolnick teeing up a question for me on five on the floor with this disrespect <laughs> from the national media. Shout out to Ethan. Can I say something before you answer that? <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a bunch of fan bases, and, I, and not across the country, that feel disrespected by the of national course. media. Um, so I know Miami's not alone in this. And I and I do think some fan bases but are disrespected di- by national here's I don't want to say that. I do think so. The difference, Dex, though, is yeah. that Miami is consistently winning. And a lot of those other fan bases aren't. So, like, they, their performance, generally speaking, warrants a level of respect that I feel like they don't get. And I okay, feel I like, Greg, feel like, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong or if you disagree. I do feel like a lot of it stems from the jealousy of LeBron going there in 2010 and everything else sort of trickles down from that. Yeah, no, and, and there's also um, an inherent dislike for Pat Riley throughout the league that I think that some people hold on to in mm. certain national markets. So that's always going to be something that drives it. Some of the biggest national markets, maybe some of the national markets y'all are sitting in right now. Oh. Um, no. um, they're, up, they're up in New York, y'all. Well, well here's a, but Greg, you know there's some people that are really still salty about Riley leaving. I oh, am not sure. one of those people, but you know that you know they are about leaving the Lakers. Sure. Or, or the Lakers. Or the Lakers, too. I, I, I will say this about the Heat. Um there's this perception of that the national media doesn't give him respect. And maybe this particular group, this Jimmy Butler led group, there's not as much of that kind of coverage and you're not getting every lead spot um, 
lead slot on Sports Center, etc. Um, so there's stuff to learn about this group, but I get a little weird with like the whole um persecution complex or inferiority what it's some sort of complex that you have where um where you think that you're always being slighted by the national media yo there used to be a heat index on espn like like there's all the sports up at the top right like the big sports with like 30 teams in each sport and then there's a whole icon for the miami heat that you click on and then a whole page as if it's like its own league was the miami heat back in 2010 when the big three got there so I just th- I just feel like it maybe is this the makeup of this group specifically not being as sexy as some of these other teams to talk about whether it be um, the tabloid uh, drama kind of stuff or whether it be just style of play like Jason Tatum is incredible to watch Steph Curry is incredible to watch and Jimmy Butler gets done in a different kind of fashion but I think that the more that they see this team on the big stage. What you're going to see, and this is going to be crappy, and I'll have to talk about it a lot on Five on the Floor because it's coming. They're going to flip, and you're going to see everyone's going to love this team, and they're going to be talking about how great they are. If they were to, like, make the finals, watch for all those one-on-ones and all that. So I just – I'm a little gun-shy with, like, saying that they're, as a franchise, every year overlooked by the national media. No, but I I will say I feel like they they have been overlooked these last – like, since Jimmy got there – yeah, I feel sure. like I feel like during this run more so. Yeah. But to your I, point. I don't know why, but Jimmy doesn't inspire that. Um, I don't know I don't that thing that the other I, superstars do, and I don't understand that he got personality. Like I was saying, he's kind of like UD, Dwayne, and Chris Bosh all rolled up into one. So like yeah. he's good to talk to. He's articulate. Um, I, I don't understand why people don't gravitate more to him. Maybe cusses too much. Maybe <laughs> Dexter, professional storyteller, award-winning storyteller. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Like, because the Jimmy Butler thing is interesting to me because he, in America, we like stories, right? And we claim yeah. to like the underdog. Yeah. And he was homeless at 13 and he didn't play AAU basketball and he went to junior college for a year and then he played at Marquette and wasn't even, he was all Big East honorable mention, wasn't on the first, second or whatever teams. Like he was honorable mention. Last pick in the first round, 2011, didn't start mm-hmm. his first year began starting and wasn't even that good, wasn't playing that much until his third year, became most improved player, like really got it from the ground up and is now somebody who probably is going to make the Hall of Fame one day. And people still want to leave him outside the top 20 or say he's not really a star or not really this and his game is boring or whatever the case may be. Is it just because, like, you know, his game is not super flashy? Because I really think, for me, that's what it boils down to. I think a lot of people... Look at him. They don't see flash, and they're like, whatever. It's dunks um, and threes. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to stop talking. I'm getting too much usage here. Sorry. It's dunks and threes, and it's also that a lot of people don't know what they're watching, and I do not mean to sound like a basketball snob, but like right. the defensive side of the ball is something that a lot of people cannot conceptualize what's taking place and who's making plays in basketball and defense unless it's a steal or a block that they can count. So, like, when you have the vast majority of heads not able to quantify what he's doing defensively, it just leaves a gap in terms of that he don't shoot threes and dunk. No, I think there's a lot there with what Greg just said. Like, I really do. And Brian, Greg, you probably know this about Brian. Brian very much likes – and this, I say this as a right way because I grew up a Knicks fan. And, you, and, Greg, you can appreciate this. Brian knows he grew up in New York. Those Knicks and Heats teams in the early 90s, right? Oh, yeah. Grind it out. Ugly basketball, 
not trying to look pretty. It ain't flashy, but we're getting the job done, right? There's a lot of that in Jimmy Butler. And I like that personally. I know Brian loves that. He adores this, right? Like, and, it, and it's fine. Brian brings up narratives, and Brian's 100% right. Narratives, narratives, as you know, Greg, drive a lot in sports. We All our listeners know that. I think the thing is we have narratives about how stars should look, right? And so it's that the stars are supposed mm. to be flashy. And then we ignore the efficiency. We ignore what Greg says about what they do on the defensive side of the ball. And, Greg, I want to say I don't think you sound like a snob here, right? I think there are people that watch basketball in a very limited scope or limited way. I, my friend of the show, Gerard Hector, always makes the same point that you do about defense. If it ain't a block, if it ain't a steal, they don't think it's, they don't think it's impactful. It's like my former high school basketball coach, you say, you can be great on defense. Altering the shot is sometimes even more impactful than a block, which I completely agree with. I just think, I don't understand it with Jimmy. He's in the Michelob commercials. He's making people, not making me think about drinking some Michelob beer, but he might be making some other people think about it, right? <laughs> and he's, he's got personality. I think the thing that hurt him is how everybody perceived what went down in Minnesota. Mm. And I don't think it, I personally don't feel like it was fair to him, right? He was kind of that. You, you now don't hear the underdog story that Brian's talking about. It went into all this. Oh, Jimmy forced his way out in the exit. And it's like, can we all say something about that? Was he wrong? <laughs> he wasn't no. wrong there, right? He, like, looked, he looked around and he was like, yo. These dudes ain't it. These dudes. <laughs> and they losers. paid them and they paid they're them losers. and didn't want to pay him. Right. Even though, even though, and th- here's the thing too, like about that t- Minnesota Timberwolves thing. They were the fourth seed when he tore his meniscus. Yep. And they fell to like ninth by the time he got back and he had to drag them back into eighth. And then they obviously lost in the first round because they got a bad matchup. That was a good Houston Rockets team. Jimmy wasn't even 100%, I don't think, when he came back. That's the only time Minnesota made the playoffs without Kevin Garnett ever until this season. Mm-hmm. The only time. Yeah. Every t- That's the other thing about it, Dex. It's like, yo, I, I, like, I sound like somebody who's just always defending him. But, yo, if you just – in the, in the most simplistic of ways, every right. team he's left has gotten worse, and every team he's joined has gotten better. And I think there's something to that. And I'll let you jump in here, here, Greg. I think there's something to that. And then I'm, I'm, that's what I'm taking in two steps. So you got the Minnesota thing, which I think hurt him because there were certain perceptions people didn't like what he did at the practice. I am not in that group. I think sometimes you got to call out when there's some bullshit and people ain't doing <laughs> something right in the organization. And sometimes yeah. you got to call it out. And that's what Jimmy Butler did. Now we take it a step further, right? We go to where he got traded in Philadelphia. Was Jimmy Butler right again? Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was, right? He, he knew what was going on, and the organization decided to choose Brett Brown and Ben Simmons, or if you want to even say Al Horford, over And Tobias him, right? Harris, yeah. And Tobi- all that stuff over him, right? A player's winning. And now you got Joel Embiid out here talk, who just got his ass beat by the Heat talking about how he misses him. Yeah. <laughs> like he's no, amazing. He's true. wrong. Like, it's very true. It, you know what I'm saying? And still, yeah. with all that, so all, to Brian's point and your point, all that says to you is, huh, Jimmy Butler's a pretty damn valuable star. Yeah. Maybe we should want him on our team. Maybe we should show him some love. But the man does not get that love. So I'm not even being the Jimmy Butler defender here, but I'm with y'all. I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. That's all I'm saying. We, the Heat are going to force force them to love him. Yeah, they got to. They got to. What is, what is Greg? Anyway, Greg, anyway. I want to ask you, because Brian always talks about this. There's all this talk in the last couple of years, despite while I agree with Brian, the Heat haven't gotten the same level of love. 
but there's all the talk about, oh, heat culture. What are misconceptions about heat culture? Because people sometimes like to act like it's a thing, but then it's not a thing. So, like, how much what do you time do you got? No, yeah, I got to, we got time. Yeah. We still got to get to Kendrick, though. We do still yeah, no, no, no. I, no. That's, like, I, 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 that's why I got to, I'll be concise. Okay. <laughs> so the things that heat culture is not, it is not just a marketing slogan. Um, it is not uh, just a bunch of old, like, I'm going to be straight up with y'all. It's not a bunch of old white men screaming at at the, <laughs> the young athlete and wagging this finger at him, which I think that's a conception that people have of it, which is not what it is. Um, it is a level of accountability that's not in every locker room. It is an emphasis on strength and conditioning, which is not in every locker room. It mm. is also, as we've seen recently, it is having the ability to have tough conversations and to take constructive criticism and not get butthurt about it. Um, and then there's just an element also of working hard that I think they probably have pushed to the limits at times. I know in the Alonzo morning, Tim Hardaway days, they push practices to limits that they shouldn't have in my opinion, but it, it's just about kind of, if you're in the best if you're going to play against all this elite talent, the best in the world, what's going to separate you is being in the absolute world-class shape. And that's just the kind of stuff that they emphasize. And, um, you know, it gets glorified by people like me who love to talk about it in other ways and say it's the deciding factor in every organization. But um, in certain ways, it kind of is. Well, I, it's hard for me to say that it's to argue that it's not right. Because, and I, I was talking about this with a friend today. There's so many organizations in the NBA to get this stuff wrong. Right. You, it's hard to not look at the Miami Heat. And I understand why Brian likes certain things. And I, and I, so I see it. Brian, see, I'm not even clowning you on this. I'm yeah. actually and defense, using, defense first. Yeah, yeah. Defense first. OK, Greg. Right. One hundred percent. This is. From, this is from I mean, Nick. listen, as a yes. Knicks fan, you know, like yes. Riley just took yes. what he was doing in New York and yep. brought it down to Miami. Yep. Like, make no bones about it. The, the reason why we all laugh in New York is that, like, it's just crazy that one dude could fax up a piece of paper and shit could go so <laughs> downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything, everything went down, everything went downhill from there, except for the time in '99 when we upset y'all's eight seed. But outside of that. <laughs> Why you gotta bring up old shit? Why you gotta bring up old stuff? Look, I look, I love Allen Houston, so I'm gonna stay shut. But I but but I but but Greg, the thing I was going to say is the, that I don't think it's a misconception, right? Is that the Heat, you look at their track record, particularly if you want to say over the last 10, take out the LeBron era. After that, I was bringing this up to somebody the other day. After that, you guys had some signings that were you could say questionable, right? Yeah. yeah. The Tyler Johnson. Hassan uh, Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside. Everything <laughs> that else. My least here's something player. I don't. Here's something I don't think people. <laughs> here's something I don't think people give the Heat credit for. When they realized that wasn't the thing, that wasn't working. What they do? They got off. They started to rebuild. They didn't hang around that. They didn't hang around the media. They got started, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, they, they got. They, they identified got, a star who right. fit what they want to do, where they want to be, what they want. Because Pat Riley said, Greg, right? I let the culture slip, or we let the culture slip. You're right. And they brought back Jimmy Butler. No. I mean, they brought in Jimmy Butler, rather. Yep. And the culture sort of been back. Riley and learns from his mistakes. He really does, which I think he doesn't get enough credit for learning from me. his player relationships with Dwayne and how he's handled Jimmy. Like, there, you can undoubtedly, trust me, Pat has learned from his mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, he he does, and he does. And then the other thing you look at is in the last couple of years, the guys they've been able to find, right? 
whether it's late in the lottery, whether it's a Max Struess, a Gabe Vincent, and you start looking at this it, like, how do you keep finding all these guys? When are the Knicks going to find some of these guys? That's what I say. You know what I'm saying? I like yeah. I say it with a little bit of jealousy, but I also say it with a ton of respect. Is that something you look at as part of Heat culture, Greg, the fact that they're able to identify and then develop the talent consistently? They're doing it consistently. Yeah, and they've been doing it forever. Like even back in those Nick days, like uh, Heat Nick days, like in the very end, Bruce Bowen is someone they found. Ike Austin, but Sean Leonard was undrafted. So back then they had a starting shooting guard that was undrafted. So this goes back further. But I think where they should get the most credit for it is that they went a period where they were very top-heavy, very free agent-driven, um, and they did not value their draft picks for good reason. Um, I think they maybe could have used them in a different way, but they didn't value them because they were in win-now mode. They had LeBron James. They had a heat index on ESPN.com, so they're not going to worry about draft picks. Um, but for them to pivot and be able to then lock in on the developmental side and realize, okay, we're not going to have the best picks in the draft, so what are we going to do? We're going to churn out undrafted guys that – produce like late first or like mid first or whatever the case may be. I just think that that should be credited because they recognized that there was a pipeline through the G league that they were utilizing far before there were teams that weren't even getting started in the G league and the heat was really focused on it and sending guys down there to kind of learn the system and have that, um, you know, like you're learning from the ground up. So I, I think that they just, to get on that bandwagon after like going after like in one one day you're whining and dining LeBron James trying to get him to come and the next day you're like getting Gabe Vincent to um to you know find his career like I just think it's an interesting uh you know two different data points that are far from each other. Yeah, no, and, and they've they've done a fantastic job. Are you concerned about this organization when Riley's gone? Like, is that a concern no. for you and Heat fans? No, because this the Eric succession moves planning. up, right? Right, right. Yeah, the succession planning has been something that is not talked about much, but Eric Spolster is going to have this organization handed on a silver platter. I think Chris Quinn will be the, the head coach eventually. Um, and so, like, to me, he – the other thing Riley does, and we're not giving enough time for the Kendrick album. The other thing Riley does is uh, he trusts his people more than ever. And um, a lot of stuff doesn't even need to make it to Pat's desk because it gets taken care of long before that. And I think getting that kind of structure in place with uh, Andy and, and just everyone else that's there, um, they're, they're going to be fine without Pat when he's just advising. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, see, see, see continuity. Look at, look at the, look at the confidence. You so have. we can get to the Kendrick album. Yes. This is real quick predictions for heat Celtics. We should go around the room. I just did this on a Bahama Rican boys and five reasons sports. And pretty much everyone said heat and seven. We did get a heat and six. I think it's going to go seven. So I'm going to go out first and say heat and seven. What heat do you guys seven. think? Okay. I'm going with Celtics in seven. Sorry, guys. I, I'm not keeping it a heat trifecta here. <laughs> Greg, why are you picking the heat in five? Just tell us. Uh, no, heat in six. I'll give them an, give the Celtics an extra game. Uh, however, I would like to make this clear. I'm predicting that, but I am not rooting for Boston. That's never going to happen. But yeah, right. right. <laughs> That's never really going to happen. I'm not That's the thing. Like, I, I don't want to yeah. – like, they're really good. I think – the Heat having home court advantage still does matter because That's they are fair. very good at home. That's the main thing for me. Like for me, I feel like the Celtics almost have to win six if they're going to win the series. And for me, I think one of the keys is if Miami can win the first two at home, they're good because I think it's going to be very hard to beat that team four times in five games. 
Do we think uh, – are you guys concerned of Lowry's not playing game one and uh, Marcus Smart is questionable? Any concerns with that, especially with Lowry? Or are you okay, uh, Greg, because the Heat have looked all right without Lowry? You know, Gabe Vincent coming in and doing the thing. Oh, gosh. We have such first-world problems when it's like, <laughs> eh, we want Kyle Lowry to play in game one. <laughs> I don't know. They've been so good without him. Uh, it's crazy. How much money are they paying Kyle? Kyle got the thirty bag. million. Um, yeah. So salute to him. But no, I uh, would personally love to see Kyle back out there. But the way that he's looked recently, and all of that I've heard is that I, I likely don't expect to see him in game one or two. Um, I think that they're going to wait and see how this series plays out. Uh, they are a confident group. I'll just say that they are a very, very confident group, and I think that until something changes um being down in the series something like that they're not going to rush kyle back uh, okay. they've learned to play without him it's weird they have, and they've played and they've played well that's the thing they played yeah. well all right yeah. well i hope i'm wrong about celtics and seven i'm hoping i'm wrong i'm hoping for heat and seven uh the only time you'll hear me say let's go heat that's it we will never hear those words come out of my mouth again <laughs> and uh that is that that we we, we are done with that one time for your mom one time one time for your mom one time one time for your mind, our guest joining us for this segment, because we are going to talk about one thing for one time for your mind. That is a new album by Kendrick Lamar. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers dropped last Friday. Oh, I'm going to kick it off like this, guys. So, Brian knows this, Greg. I like to sit and listen to albums. You remember back in the day, you pull out the album, out the CD, you look at all the production credits. I still like to do that. I'll pull up Wiki or whatever site I got. Look, you're still looking at that. But I was really tired on Friday. And on my first listen, I was really tired. And I probably shouldn't have done it. This was Kendrick album is not one you do on the first listen when, you know, you're really tired. Not a good move. And I did that upon my first listen, guys. I was kind of like, eh. Particularly to the first disc. Two parts of this. I was kind of like, eh. But then, you know, had some time. Got some rest. Had some sleep. I came back to the album. I was like, yo, man, this guy, this guy, Kendrick. (laughs) He's pretty good. Just always killing it, man. (laughs) Everybody knows my favorite uh, rapper in the game. Everybody knows that. Fantastic. Um, I thought this, I'm going to hold off on a rating to the end. I think this is really good. This is a really good song, uh, album. I love the concept. There's a lot of depth in this album. I think you have to sit with it a couple of times to really understand that. Um, I will go out and say this off the jump. I like this album better than Damn. Um, I know some mm. people out there. Yes, I do. I like this album better than Damn. Um, I, I know some people like that album a little bit more than I did. I like it better than Damn. That is not saying Damn is a bad album. I've said this before here. And yeah. it's not. It's a really good album. Uh, but I like this one better than Damn. What did you guys think about it? What were your first listens, first impressions? And then ha- have has it been like me where it's evolved since then? I really, I really want to give Greg the floor, so I'm going to be quick. But um, I've listened to it a bunch of times straight through, and I've also had a few songs that I keep coming back to, uh, which we're going to get into a little bit. I'll just say, the one for me, Dex, is Mr. Morale. I cannot stop playing that shit. I've listened to that. I've listened to probably that sing, that individual song at least 20 or 30 times already. Uh, but there's a lot on this album that I really enjoy. I do agree, because we were talking about Kendrick albums in terms of ranking them. 
And like, I think Kendrick's discography is as good as pretty much anybody who's like really active right now, obviously. And I think while Damn is a really good album, there are still a couple other Kendrick albums I would take ahead of it. I'm probably going to put this one ahead uh, when I have to like really sit and think about it because Kendrick albums take longer than just a couple of days to digest. But this album being in even that category is still really good. And I'm not just saying that as somebody who's a Kendrick fan, like this is legitimately very good. I was a little nervous about two discs, by the way, but I figured if somebody could make it work and make it a really good uh, double album, then it would be Kendrick Lamar. And I think it works. Greg? Yeah. Greg, the floor is yours. Oh, wow. So, okay. Um, very much um, like you guys, like this is an event when Kendrick drops an album and yes. uh, I was waiting exactly for midnight. I was not tired, homie. Um, <laughs> I, I was, uh, well, but let me preface it by saying the Heat had just advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it was yeah, like you had a lot of energy blend. after that. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, I think Adrenaline Cohen had just recorded five on the floor, et cetera. So like um, I, I was waiting for this all day and I'm very much somebody who I think it's super important to listen to an album in sequence, particularly a Kendrick album. No skips around. It's very much like you have to listen to it straight through. I made a point to turn my phone on silent to like literally sit in a chair, close my eyes and just take it in. Like, and a lot of people are going to say, are you dramatic Kendrick fans? Look what you guys do. Well, listen, man, like this is the stuff that I love. Um, This is an artist that I feel like to your point is catalog is, as good as anyone that's ever done anything in hip hop. Um, you know, like, it, like there's only like, obviously the few heads like Jay that like, uh, I don't know that we can even have a conversation that has a catalog like Kendrick's to me. Um, maybe a few others, but that's a conversation for another day. I, upon first listen of this album, sonically, it was too much to take in. There are certain songs that, um, to the naked ear, to me, appeared busy. Like there's so much going on that it's really hard to like digest it and figure out exactly where you're going. Um, It was compounded by the fact that he did. And this is something that I've actually grown to adore. Like I love about this album is that he switches his flow up without notice a lot. And like the different vocal tones and stuff but it makes it complicated to the naked ear to make it through the songs on certain like you got to really listen i guess is what i'm saying and so that part of it i knew right off the jump that i was going to need to take some time with it the more that i sit with it um i mean there's only really and people are going to hate probably that i that there's maybe there's an interlude in a track that i that if i had to pick there that i would and i'll hold off on saying which ones for now that I that I'm not as crazy about everything else is awesome. This is to the point where I sat and listened to this, and there were moments that literally, like, you start to feel emotional. Like, it, like when an album can bring out of you and evoke out of you what a movie usually do. And I, I don't watch TV or movies at all. I rely a hundred percent on music to evoke any of that in books. Like, I'm just not a movie. Like, I ain't, I haven't watched a new movie that's not for my kids in years, literally. So, mm-hmm. like. When an album can bring that kind of stuff out of you, I think it just speaks volumes. And I got that from this album by a couple of different tracks. So to me, it just it has something for everyone. It is all of his albums rolled up into one. Um, I I hear things that he was experimenting with on the untitled album, like mm. evolve and grow on this album. Like I can hear it, and I probably at one day will sit down and correlate where I heard where I hear little uh, parts of it. So like, but there's as a social commentary is where we are in this world right now. 
um, sonically. There's just so many different ways that it is futuristic yet right now, right here, exactly what's happening. So I, I just thought it was perfectly timed and, um, they, the, the double disc scared me too, because yep. I'm one that much believes on trim the fat. I'm like a, a push yes. a T, the push a T model. Like we're going 12 tracks at max, the Illmatic model. We're going 11 tracks at max Daytona, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like that is the formula. Um, so I was worried, but he, he did it. He like just weaved in and out and did all this different stuff. He's literally that versatile. So I, I, I love it. And to me, it is a more complete album than damn. Damn had more of like the singles, I would say. Yeah. Um, and this is going to end up likely, you know, only like, this is a very quick thing. I, I hate that I'm going here this fast, yeah. but only good kid, mad city uh, competes with this for me. In terms oh, wow. Of in the rankings. Wow. I'm That's not, I'm, at. I'm not putting it over to Pimp a Butterfly yet, but I can see how you can I get there. I, I'm, I might, I might actually. I can see how, I, the <laughs> thing is, I don't think any of this stuff is crazy. We all talked about how great the discography is. There's yeah. something you said, Greg, that you connected exactly with me on the first listen. And maybe some of it I'm thinking about, it wasn't just me being tired. You talked about how at first you thought sonically it was very busy. And that, after my first complete listen, I was like, lyricism is good on this of course but i felt sonically it was all over the place that was the way i felt but yeah. then when i listened the second time mm -hmm. i was like oh no 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 and i think you know if we look at some of the, the stuff in the tracks i think the first song on there uh what is it, united in grief i think that's a perfect example of that because there's so much he plays with the flows on that and the chord progressions in some of the songs that are just really good and it's just like Yo, there's a lot going on. The second time this to be like, oh man, like this really works, and I float on this. It just just this this album is being a sort of just him opening up his feelings, talking to uh, talking to his therapist, kind of out. Also, very reminiscent uh, Brian about Dave's psychodrama album a couple years ago that I loved. Ooh, that's um, cool. yeah. Very similar in that vein, but like this He's sonically, so vulnerable. Yeah, say that. Say that again. Yeah, he's so vulnerable on this. So album. vulnerable on this like, album. Whoa. Yeah, more more than people could say. Oh, Good Kid, Man City, and this, and To Pimp a Butterfly. But this was so vulnerable. He touches so many aspects and opens up about his life from infidelity to you know regret and you know um, not being that different from other rappers in terms of materialism and all this stuff that I just absolutely love. Um, favorite tracks? No, actually, let's not. I don't want to do favorite tracks. That's that's too easy. I'm intrigued because, Greg, you said something, too, and I have a feeling that you and I might not be crazy about the same track that some other people are crazy about. Oh. And I here's my thing on the album. That I, let me say this before I let Greg go. You put up the track. You know this, Brian. I'm exactly like Greg. Don't Trim the fat. Yes. I was nervous about the double album like you guys. Dexter loves 12 songs. 12 to 14 track albums. <laughs> yeah. That's, it, most classics are like that. You right? understand yeah. me. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I do. So, it's true, though. Most classic albums, 10, 12, 14, you know. I could take out. I can, I can do away with both of the interludes here. Don't need them. Me too. Don't really need. Do they do they bother me? Am I gonna cross? Am I absolutely gonna skip it if I'm playing? Tell them the test. Tell them the test. I, I have I have a clean cleaning <laughs> test for albums. If a, interludes and skits can really annoy me. If I feel like I gotta go across the room, hit my phone, skip it. That's when you know it's, it's bad. I don't yeah. think they're quite there, but I don't need them. And then there's two of the tracks. I'm like, eh, I could kind of do without. Outside of that, one is growing on me though. Outside of that, I'll get to that in a second. But Ryan, I'm sorry. 
what tracks are you don't care for in this album? If there are any, is there anything that you do not like, you, you like we can get rid of. This is you gonna create an argument. We're gonna start debating here. You I mentioned the you mentioned the interludes. Uh that Rich, I, I don't need either of the interludes, honestly. I don't need either of the interludes. And now that I'm looking at this, I mean, <clears throat> there's obviously a lot more songs that I like than I don't. Um <laughs> so Okay, put everyone on the screen here, Dex, please. This is more, <laughs> this is more uh, of a he's question. Gotta, he's got to like, offend people. I think this is a really good song. I don't see myself coming back to it a lot. I, we might all be on the same page here. Because, like, it's it's very heavy. We cry together. Yes, yes. You, you know, yes. like... <laughs> oh. See now, so this is funny. I love that you're going here because we we could stay here for a quick second. Um, yeah, about tracks that you'll listen to, but will do they have replay value? I think that there's value in an album having that replay factor, and some yes. stuff is just too heavy to listen to. And and this is one of them tracks we cry together. Um, but Al the chemist is the producer, so the yeah. beat is grimy. <laughs> so like that helps, and it also. This is a social commentary and like there is an undercurrent yeah. in this world of that type of absolute Toxicity. just rage and anger that that, that shit lives in people yo and like yeah. so he's articulating that on what like on the the song and the way that it's written with them arguing to me it's one of the one of the dopest social commentaries I've ever heard on a hip hop record ever it's 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 look it's i think but, it's a i think it's but, a yeah go ahead Greg. No, no, no. I, sorry, I, I didn't. And, I, and I'll stop. I promise. No, you're but, fine. I, I, I understand your point with it being like so um, it's so flagrant that like, can it really be something that you listen to all the time? The other one I kind of feel like that about in a different kind of way, like it's just something that uh, I love to listen to where he's going with it. And I love what he acknowledges. But like, I like Auntie Diaries, but it wouldn't necessarily be a track that I would necessarily go back to over and over again or like turn up loud as hell in my car or something yeah, like yeah. that um, yeah yeah so auntie yeah, diaries is another one what the first time i heard it maybe i was spaced out the first time i heard it i was kind of like whatever and then when i really started paying attention i was like oh shit this is a lot you oh, know yes. and then we we cry together i could say like it's 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 probably a brilliant song. Like it's really good. Kendrick also gets worked on that record, which is fucking hilarious. All right. Yeah. Taylor Page kicks his fucking ass. But it's a you don't great think one song. person wrote all that. Uh, Kendrick probably did. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, in terms of the verses, though. Like she was killing <laughs> yeah, But yeah, like, yeah. and for me, luckily, knock on wood, never been in that kind of relationship. Uh, and I if you that. are, please leave. You shouldn't. <laughs> right. You should. But the thing, the thing, <laughs> that's a PSA. The thing is, it's kind of like Dance by Nas for me, where it's a tremendous song. Huh. I cannot listen to it a lot because Nas, is, his mom had just passed and sing. It's a song on Godson for people who don't know uh, mm -hmm. about his, his mother who just passed away very recently at, the, at that time of his life. And he's singing the hook and it's really good. And I remember watching an interview with Jungle, Nas's brother. He's saying like, I, every time I hear that song, I have to leave the room. I can't. And obviously because they're fucking brothers. You know what I mean? But even for me, I'm like, I there's just certain songs where it's like, great. But when I play the album full through, I might just skip it, especially if I'm it. in a particular mood. Uh, to that, it's funny about, I'll share something on here with da Dance. Um, with that with that song, and I, I've told, I think I might have told Brian this before too. That's a very heavy song. But it's, I lost my mom a couple of years ago. And the day I lost my mom, I went to play that song 
because there was sort of a comfort in hearing the understanding of somebody else going through it. So it's it's interesting how music can work for you at certain times. I don't think I ever want to listen to it again now because then now it makes me think of my mom too. But in that moment, it was something I needed, you know? So it's yeah. interesting too. Two We Cry Together. I'm so, I'm glad we're all in together on this. We, we, we are talking together, not crying together. We're all in together on this. <laughs> and I felt the same thing. I'm like, yo, this is good. The emotion is good. It kind of reminds me of an Eminem inspired song oh, a yeah. lot too. Chill. You get like a lot of those vibes from that too. 100%. And, and I, yo, the thing is, I think the thing I hate about it, it's, I hate about it is what Greg said. I love the beat. Ah, oh, I love the beat. I love the track. It's so grimy. The keys are great. Like, I love it, right? And I almost yeah. kind of wish we got a different kind of song in it. And it's, I don't take marks on the album for it, but it's just, it's a really good song. And like you said, Greg, the social commentary, toxic relationships, people with that much anger and that coming out and how hurtful that can be and not helpful to any of us. It's great to talk about, but it's a tough song for me to go back and listen to. It's probably one I'm just going to, I'm skipping not because it's bad, but just because it's heavy. And, and, and it's, you, it's a, you know what it's like? When you listen to that song, it's like, ask yourself, if two people were in the room with you having that exact conversation, would you want to be there? That's no. Really but go. that's the greatness of the song, right? Like, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Sometimes art is supposed to do that. Yeah. And that is kind of the dopeness of the song, but I don't think I can listen to it any, anymore. All right, so we agree. Did you have it, Greg, did you have anything else on the album that you, is it on just that and Auntie Diaries? Or Auntie Diaries was you, Brian. Was was anything else for you on the album that you're like ah, I didn't really know I didn't like? So to me, the interludes, but the rich interlude. Um, and although I have heard uh, that Rich Spirit could end up being one of the singles, Which like I if love. I had to pick a song that was not really like like the top of the list, that would be one of the ones for me. I actually, really but like, like that this song. is a relative scale. Like, yeah. I hate that I'm saying anything negative because right, right. I want to talk about the songs I love more. So, like, okay, not, okay, let's do that. Well, much, last, last question, last there. question before we get to like the yeah. positive. The, well, this might be positive. I'm just curious. How do y'all feel about Mother I Sober? That I is that it. that to me is the best song on the album. Not no, my favorite. Okay, that's not not my favorite song, but I think it is the best, most vulnerable deepest amazingly put together song i like, like it a lot i didn't like it my first few listens and no i i really grabbed my first few listens brian, it took me a minute brian don't be doing that like uh emotional that, stuff that, that emotional shit yeah i seen a post recently on ig where he's like you know i don't be doing this but that's right happy no. mother's day or something like that whatever it was and i don't mean to go on your personal page but like i can no, relate cool. to that very much because i'm not one Although I can write very well, like that's where I, where I uh, I also have a background in writing. Same I here. don't necessarily wax poetic about like holidays and family and stuff like that. Like I don't go down those emotional roads. This song, it um, left like a a lump in my throat, man. Like it's crazy when you listen to it, and um, it it gave me chills. And it was like again, it's a hard one to say you're gonna ride around like the beach, you know chilling and, and jamming to it but like this is one that i absolutely thought was it one of the most complete records um i loved it it's absolutely uh prime kendrick it's like everything encapsulated into what he what he's great at and then just the chorus and everything to me it's like super um it's personal uh 
but it's not so it's not like in your face personal the way that we cried together was right. like right. i think you can make it through it in a different kind of way so but i think that that i may be in the minority i think a lot of heads because i i pulsed this record to some of my homies back in north miami who like you know it, it's like they're still listening to like trick daddy and shit <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 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 like only built for cuban links like they haven't left like and out yeah, any they haven't left that era, right yeah i have a whole pack of friends dog that i like, know some people like that don't mess with nothing new and yeah, i sent this yeah. to them and like they're like, brother's some like of that shit is just weird it's crazy it's like slam poetry i'm not feeling it um so i understand <laughs> where it's not for everyone but for me i think it's super dope no, I think it's dope. Like getting Beth Gibbons from Portishead for the hook. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, like that. That's so, this song. I, this might be early, but this is one of those songs that you fit. This reminded me on this album of the way I felt about "Sing About Me, Dying of Thirst" on Good Kid, Man City. Mm-hmm. It is. It is in that caliber of song making because that's my favorite Kendrick song. It is in that caliber of song making. It is that good. So I, I love that song. I, I do love it. So yeah, Brian, you got that's your answer. We love it. What what else is everybody loving on this on this album? What what are you loving, Greg? What what's the standouts for you beside that? Um, I love the intro. Um, yes, I love like this. Uh, this may be controversial, but I really love Worldwide Steppers. Oh, I, man, me too. Me too. There's no, there's like there's really no drums, but there's a pulse to it. And boom, like, boom, 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 yeah, boom, and just boom, like boom. the flow, like to me, and the fact that like he starts in a certain flow, and you think he's going in that direction, that um, and then all of a sudden he, he like just completely slants, like on some Tyree Kale shit, just like and yes. like goes in a different direction. Like I love shit like that. I feel like Worldwide Steppers. That's like if an alien came from outer space and said, like, this is how we do rap on our planet. Like that's the kind of shit we would hear is Worldwide Steppers. Um, I've I've articulated that against that same group of friends I told y'all about, and they're like, "This is not that." So, like, I realized that I am more high on that song than most people. I thought that then to bring us into Die Hard was like a good way to soften the palate after that, like real, like uh, lyrically inclined shit. Father Time is super dope. Fantastic um, so- song. Those are some of the ones. Uh, Savior has a really great message. The more I listen to it, it's sticking to my gut more and more. Um, I can hear Keem's influence all over this damn album. You can tell Kendrick's been around a select few people, and he's not around his cell phone a lot. Um, but Worldwide Steppers is the one that, like, I just I was I was blown away when I heard it. Um, and Father Time is just it's right up there. Uh, the other thing that I just want to mention while I have yeah. the floor is that. There's a lot of references to a spiritual teacher by the name of Eckhart Tolle. And I, I listen to a, a lot of his talks. Uh, li- I meditate often. Like, y'all know, like, that's my other thing. Like, the whole non-dual path is, like, uh, something I'm very interested in and enthusiastic about. Eckhart Tolle is a, is, is a really amazing resource for me. I read his stuff. And for, to, for Kendrick to have sought him out and to have had conversations with him, that know that lets me know where his wavelengths are mm. and like it makes me look at the album differently and if you read any of Eckhart Tolle's books you'll know if if three people get introduced to what that guy is teaching it, the world it'll is change. a better it'll place change. immediately yeah so like it'll i just want to really emphasize how important i thought it was dope to see him integrate that in and then there's this like pd lang video from 2 years ago that has like Kendrick up like on top of a telephone pole. Have y'all seen that? And he's like sitting up there, leaning yeah. up there. I had never seen it. It's two years old. And when you watch it now, 
this album was in the works like two years ago. And it's so plain to see when you watch the PD Lang video, I would recommend y'all check it out. Mm. Um, it's crazy when you see it and it changed my outlook on the album as well. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I heard about it. I got to check it out. I would like to say this off of what Greg said. My, one of my, my best friend put me on Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle about, I don't know, five or six years ago. And I read his first book, which is the power of now I've never read a new earth that I've yet to read the power now. And I don't want to get too preachy on this, but it, <laughs> it, it changed my outlook a lot. That's what I will say. I highly recommend that book to anybody. It is a really dope book about Eckhart Tolle is a man who was on the verge of suicide and decided not to. He wanted to live. I'm going to leave it at that. And it ain't preachy. Like, it's not I preachy. The book's like, not, y'all need to understand because yeah. I don't deal with that kind of shit. So, this ain't preachy. <laughs> yeah, me either. Shit, not, like, me either. Not, <laughs> I'm with you, bro. Greg, that's not, that's not my yeah. vibe. It's more about... This is the way I would explain to somebody if they want to listen to it. And maybe if you if you listen to read this, and Brian, I would encourage you to read it too. Yeah. Why it connects, why Greg is saying it connects with the album. And I totally agree with him. And you can see the influences throughout. It's about life and appreciating life and seeing the beauty in life and understanding flaws in yourself and, and that stuff. And it made me change my perspective on time and time we have here and being able to enjoy this podcast with y'all and all this other stuff. It's a really dope book. And it's funny, as soon as I heard Kendrick mention it in the first song where you hear Whitney, his lady, telling him reach out to Eckhart, I was like, oh, he's on that higher consciousness, right? That's he's, on that high, he's, on that, he's on that high power. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just, I, I like that. It made me say, oh, he's looking at something a little bit differently. Not to be preachy, I just think it's dope that he's, in this album, he's trying to find himself, guys. You know what I'm saying? To, to say that. Brian, what, what, are, what are your standouts here? We have to talk about Purple Hearts uh, because Ghostface, I like we've talked about Dex, just artists that we would like to see make songs with Kendrick or want to see. And then there are some that you don't think of. And then when you hear it, it just works. And Ghostface is in the conversation for best storytelling artists of all time in hip hop. Um, And (laughs) Summer Walker had a bar that Dex put everybody on the camera. Uh-oh. Uh, Here we go. <laughs> Summer Walker had a bar that got a lot of attention on social oh, yeah, I know, media. Well, I, know, well, I know a lot of this. And um, I just want to say, <laughs> I, want I, the vi- I want the video to come out of when, about. of when this song was recorded. Greg, it's cool because I have it right in front of me. And <laughs> not, I'm not hip to whatever... Uh, the, the I'm lady. pretty sure I know the line he's talking about. Is when she asks, "You're not in love, if so you haven't done this act to me." Is that the line we're talking about? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't uh, want to derail this entire conversation, but Summer <laughs> Love saying, <laughs> Summer, "Summer Love, Summer Walker, Summer Walker saying that basically, you know, if if you love her, you got to eat her ass or something along those lines," and that stole the show on Twitter. And I just want to say, look, not my thing. But fellas, thanks for, letting, if, thanks for letting us know. Fellas, word. If you are into that stuff, it, it seems like Summer Walker is too, so I think you're fine. Not my thing. But look, Ghostface is really good on this, okay? Ghostface was awesome. It kind of, I, for like, it was weird because I had heard randomly on my shuffle back like that, the remix with Neo uh, that Ghostface was on. I think he had multiple verses on it or something like that. Um, 
and get down like that was another one because they made a couple mm-hmm. of different songs that same year in 06. Uh, one was on Ghostface album, one was on Neo's album. Neo's album yep. And I had just heard like those two verses and it made me think of like, huh, I haven't heard like a new Ghostface verse in a while. And then the Kendrick album comes out. I was, I don't, I didn't see the track list before it came out. I don't know if it was out, whatever the case may be. No, right? I didn't either. I didn't, yeah. And Greg, you would know, right? So like, to hear Ghostface on this was just great. I thought he had a fucking excellent verse that I'm still really trying to go through in terms of standouts that are on the album. That is one for me where I'm like, yo, I'm glad. And and to me, it's like, it makes a lot of sense as the last song of a disc because I'm looking at the track list right now. Mm-hmm. It was track number nine. It was the last song on that. Mm-hmm. And then there is a lot of stuff. I like disc one a lot. There's a lot of stuff on disc two that I really keep playing. Count Me Out is great. Mm-hmm. Crown was something that like it took me a little bit. Uh Silent Hill, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't thrilled when I saw Kodak Black was there. Sorry. No, no, but he wasn't bad. I was he surprised. If if you would have said to me, pick three rappers that you guarantee won't be on Kendrick Lamar's new album, <laughs> I swear I would have had Kodak Black. So that shows the universe laughs when I think I know what the hell's going on. Cause and, and Craig, like and to to that point though. Kodak Black, and then you and I talked about this in, in the chat, where we was like, "Please, I don't want it. I don't want like five Baby Keem features." No, case no. Right. We did not get that. I think he delivered on Savior, which is a song that you talked about. I like. I love his hook. I love his hook. Are you happy for me? me? Yeah, <laughs> Savior's great. And like I said earlier, Mr. Morale is my fucking shit. I love that song. Pharrell coming through with the production. Pharrell, Pharrell the limits. That Listen, is pushing the creative limits. I love it. I want that to be a single. I want a music video for that. Like I hear it and I'm like, oh, this can absolutely like kill if they made a music for that. Especially if Pharrell's in it and they're together. Like that would just be great. I think that would just be a great moment for hip hop. Also, Mr. Morale is a song that I'm not saying. I don't think it's the best song because we've talked about other songs in terms of depth. We just talked about Purple Hearts. We talked about Savior. And we talked about Father Time. Like, I would say, like, there are other songs, United in Grief, that are probably better songs than this. And obviously, Mother I Sober, which we talked a lot about already. But Mr. Morale is the one where I'm like, it checks a lot of the boxes in terms of a song that has high replay value for me personally. One of those is, does it work in the gym? And it absolutely does work in the gym. <laughs> so it's a great fucking song, Mr. Morale. I love it. But this, this look, this album... I, I don't know like where, like it's it's still too early in terms of placing and Great. things of that nature. I'll tell you what though, when we do our uh end of the year hip hop show and do our top ten albums for year, I'm I'm sure both of I'm sure it's gonna be in both of our top if I split up the discs and I'm like disc one and disc two, they'll probably both make the list, honestly. But we're not gonna do <laughs> finally that. you like a project in twenty twenty two, Brian. I know it's been an underwhelming year to start but- for you. I love Denzel Curry's album. I love Denzel Curry's album. I really like Vince Staples. I like Pusha T's, though. I feel like I'm a little bit under consensus because consensus is really high. And I'm like, I like it, but... And, it's not Daytona. Right. And, and I don't yeah, want to use it as a slice I hate to here. say that because that right. makes me sound like a hater. And I but love then, but, Pusha but Sometimes like, something's not something Benny, else. Benny dropped the album. Benny allegedly and his goons allegedly beat up Freddie uh, Gibbs. Yeah. Another story for another day. Benny and Conway's albums, yeah. I didn't love them. I oh, liked yeah. them. 
but I didn't like, I'm waiting for like the, they felt like jabs, like stay, stay busy projects. But for me, this Kendrick album is something that we're going to be talking yep. about later on. Don't y'all think real quick mm-hmm. on Mira, the last track. So this would be the last Ow. track of the last disc. Mm-hmm. That, he's saying peace the mother out. That's what I wanted he's to out. talk. That's what I wanted he's to done. talk about. That's, 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 that's what I wanted to talk about, Greg. Thank you for bringing that up. And I, and I'll and then I'll get back to my. It track. also is the last album of his deal with TDE. So it is. That, yes. It could be representative of that. I, I, that's that was my first thought. But I was thinking, Greg. I was thinking what you were thinking too. I thought he's going to listen the to the lyrics on that. He's, he's saying I might. He said he said I might have to say peace to the culture. Uh, that's kind of like the last bar in there. I'm, I'm kind of taking that out of context a little bit there. But I was like, Yo, is Kendrick done here? Is he done rapping? Has he given us all that he has? He's bared his soul. He doesn't want to be the savior. He doesn't want people to look at him as this uber person of morality. He bared his flaws, and now he's done. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, man. I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I don't. Rappers retire all the time. I ain't buying it. Yeah, Jay did it to us. We thought yeah, Jay like, was done. Scott, we saw Jay was done in 03. Right. Sky Zoo just dropped the album. Great album last year. And on the last song, he was talking about like if this is it, whatever, whatever. And on Instagram recently, he was posting with some producer. I'm forgetting who the name was. I'm sure the album's gonna be dope because it's Sky Zoo, and it looks like he's working on another project. Rappers, you know, one of well, he told us he time. told us when he came on here. We had Sky Zoo on the show, and he told us he was thinking about he was contemplating retirement. Talked to find rappers don't it. retire. And Daddy you know, Yankee retired earlier this year, and I was like, no, the fuck he didn't. He'll be back. He just had a verse <laughs> on fucking Tata with Jay Balvin <laughs> and Bobby Credit card bills come. Yeah, and, and a lot of your collateral. Like he not come on, man. Greg, do you do you think he's Greg? Do you think he's done? Are you ready for him to be done? Uh, of course not. Um, yeah. I do think <laughs> I, I I do think I'll say this that there is a a point where people um have kind of done everything that they can do, and I think if there was ever a dude who would recognize when that moment was, Cole is kind of in this group too. Um it would be a, a dude like Hendrick where he wouldn't just start putting out filler. Like he's not going to, like he literally dropped this album and did not need to do anything to market it at all. Nothing. And everyone was waiting like with their hands out like this. Like, so to me, um, he's not going to do it unless it works perfectly. He said he had writer's block for two years. We didn't talk about that. I thought that that was like a really interesting thing for him to bring yeah. up. Yeah. So like to that point, um, I think that he's going to be very selective in what he does. And I don't know what the PD Lang aspect of this is. Cause it looks like that's where this is heading just in terms of like the branding is away from TDE and, um, good. Cause maybe them dudes will start releasing all them damn albums I'm waiting for. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, like I, I, I don't think this is the last we've heard of Kendrick, but this is goodbye for now. Yeah. And, that, and that's fine. Speaking of that, before, before I share some of my favorite tracks, uh, We've been waiting on this for years. A lot of us have. You probably know where I'm going with this. Do you think we are ever going to get that Cole and Kendrick album? Is that ever happening? I've given up already. Yeah. It's, I've it's, given up. I mean, I've given up on that and the Black Hippie album. And I wish I didn't have to, but I want them both. I actually want the Black Hippie album more. I want yeah. the Cole. I want the album with him and Cole. I'd like to I want the Black Hippie album more. I want the Black Hippie album more just because they grew up together and shit. But I feel like they're so far removed. None of them dudes were even on this album. You know, like, I, I don't. Correct. I think, I think that that's yeah. Not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like on any, any album track. since Section Eighty, but yeah, um, yeah, I uh, well, except for J Rock on J Rock on Money Trees, my bad. Oh, Money Trees. Oh man, such a good <laughs> song. Mad City, so good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even want to think conceptualize how to rank albums right now. 
Um, I forgot what we were talking about because you just brought up that verse. Now I'm talking about Cole, Cole and Kendrick join album. Oh, I, I don't think we're ever going to see that album. Um, but that's like, to me, that's like Dwayne and LeBron. And like, I, I guess I'll stop here because this will be maybe the most um, controversial thing I'll say because I, I want to hear your favorites. Um, I honestly believe Kendrick Lamar is like the most evolving, evolved MC to ever exist. I feel like MCing is very much like basketball, like – um, there's a reason why when you watch film of Bob Cousy, we laugh and we say like, look what Kyrie does today. I feel like emceeing has a degree of that and the way that it evolves. And like what we see from Kendrick and Cole today to me is the most advanced level of doing it that has ever been done in the history of the human race. If I'm being hot. I don't think, opinion. I don't think anything that is a hot take. Cause I, I guess I'm just in the belief of like everything evolves, right? Like, which is why no shade to your boys in North Miami, but the poor people who just stay stuck in like one time, like the nineties and stuff like that. No, like, shade. Everybody, <laughs> everybody knows like Brian knows Jay and Nas are my two favorites of, of, of all time. Right. And I, Kendrick has been in my top five once he put out to Dimper Butterfly. Um, and, and Cole is, is, is right there in that upper echelon. But those two dudes have pushed it forward for me. They like, for I listen to it, I'm like, look, I love Jay and Nas, but these dudes have been, pushed it forward and 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 I hope they continue to do so. But when you said Kendrick is the most evolved there, Greg, and where I do agree with you, I think what Kendrick has done, in my opinion, is and I, I Vine does not like this artist, love this artist in this way, right? But the thing I used to love about Kanye was that he pushed artistry in hip hop. Not the best rapper, right? But as a pushed in past tense people, by the way. And, just and so yes, you know. he pushed a lot, pushed <laughs> a lot of the sound sonic in hip hop. Kendrick to me is the almost like a combination of taking like a Jay or Nas, mixing it with a Kanye, because he pushes things artistically while also pushing lyricism, right? And Very we've well never played. seen anybody like that be able to do that both. The concepts, the selections of music, uh, selections of interludes, arrangement everything in a song like he's so damn good at that put damn in there see what i did so <laughs> great at that and I, I i agree with you on the evolution i don't think that's crazy to say i think people who hold on to older sounds older rappers they want to be like nah that can't be that nah things evolve man like someday somebody will come along hopefully in hip-hop we love hip-hop that'll be better than kendrick and push it further that's how it should be um that's how things always are going to be my favorites on this album uh, a lot of what you guys have touched. Uh, Mother I Sober, as I told you, I think that is the best song, and I think that's one of the best songs of Kendrick's career. I like you, Greg. I love Savior. I think that's a fantastic song. I love the hook. It's really infectious. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Rich Spirit, I know you said you're down on that, but there's something about that. I could totally see that as a single working. Yep. Um, and I don't know, something about it, just, just I like it. It's bouncy. It really works. I think the beginning of this album is really strong, stronger than I think I initially realized. United in Grief and 95. Worldwide Steppers, I'm with Greg on this. Yes. Love that song. Love the very slight beat change you get in that song. It oh, only man. lasts like four bars and then it goes right back. Um, really love it. I think the production on this is great. Uh, I'm with I'm with Brian on Mr. Morale. I think Mirror, the last song we talked about, is also a fast effect. Uh, really great song. Kendrick has closed his albums well. If you look at look at all his albums, he really has really good songs to close these albums. I think this is a good one. Sometimes there's, I, I've already played that song. I can get into a vibe where like, damn, I, I, I kind of get this feeling of sadness of what you said because you're like, 
damn, is he leaving? Is, are we not going to hear him anymore? Is this gone away for a while? Uh, but there's a lot of great songs in this album. The other thing that Greg brought up, Brian, that I think is good too, is that I, you know me. I love tight albums, but I also love how this album was released. We did not get an official single. We got the hard part five last week. Had me all hyped. That's all I played last week. I didn't hear anything else. We, <laughs> I mean, we it's got, not on the album. It's not on the album. If we follow the hard format, it's not supposed to be on it's the album. It's not supposed right? to be on the album, right? Not supposed to be. Fantastic. No, no promotion. No promotional interviews. No nothing. I love it. Just drops it. Still haven't heard it. Kendrick, Kendrick hasn't popped up anywhere to talk about this album. He may never talk about this album. And that's fine. Projected to sell three hundred to three hundred fifty k the first week, in this in this climate. Yeah, that's Look, like now with zero off, right? pro, with zero promotion, it speaks to his artistry. I like him kind of putting it out there and let the art speak for itself. I personally stay away from reviews until like I sit with the album that I might want to hear. Like I care what Greg had to say. I care what Brian had to say. I don't care what everybody has to say about the album. I just like to sit with it and be my own. A lot of people button. giving it ten out of tens, and I feel like they're doing that because they feel like they should. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I, I actually have tried to seek out people that don't like it to try to understand a little bit more what they hear that I don't. Mm, yeah. um, usually they're wrong, but no, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few people that have pointed out things to me where I said, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And there are songs that are not for everybody. And like, I, I can totally respect that. But for, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can totally respect that. But I think we all, I think we all are like, we all really like this album. I think it's really strong. I think it's another great body of work for Kendrick. Um, and I'm excited for whatever comes next. I, I want to check out that PG Lang video uh, for a couple of years ago that I didn't see. I'm going to check that out and see that. But I, I, I like the mindset of where he is and the growth. You know what I like most? The growth of him as an artist on this album. And I think that's what you can see. And I think that is dope. And this is what we should want out of artists. Like, that's another thing I want to say real quick that I think Greg hits on about evolution. There was a time in hip hop and maybe for us, Greg, because we're of the same age, right, growing up, and Brian knows this to his brother, where, you know, you didn't see artists evolve as much in no. the early part of the career the way we've seen Cole and Kendrick. Those we didn't guys want really, to. We didn't want them to. We was like, they got to be hard. They got to yeah. be out here moving these drugs and telling us about it, right? Which is fine. Telling these stories and this fine. And that was in all hip-hop. But we had this box that we sort of put these men in, and, and women too. And I think that for artists like Kendrick Carl, and I'll even put Drake in this too, I think have opened up more emotion um, and talked about vulnerabilities around masculinity that I actually think is dope. Mm. And and I think that should be furthered in hip hop. Um, and I think Kendrick has been one of the leaders on that. And so salute to him on this album and, and doing that. And I'm going to enjoy it and digest it for <laughs> months more. I don't see myself stopping to play this anytime soon, Greg, right? You're not stopping this anytime soon. No, I was going to say, like, this is a funny thing. We could have, like, a like a bi-weekly touch base, and we would have <laughs> completely new information to yes. share on this album. That's how deep it is. And so, like, that just speaks to how uh, how dope. So we'll have to do this again like maybe in six months, and we'll have new takes on the whole thing like it's our first listen. I feel like we need to have you to come back on for, like, a just a hip-hop episode. Because yeah. you, know, you know what we should do, Ryan? We need to have Greg on, like, at the start of, like, next season when we're getting close to the end of our, the Hip Hop Awards and check in with, check in with Greg about stuff that he's been liking this year. You just got to come back on and just maybe es just do hip hop for that one. Especially, it. yeah, especially since there are albums that we are waiting for that still have not come out. Yes. Freddie Gibbs in June has just announced recently Joey Badass is coming back in June. For Logic finally. is dropping in June. Logic. 
I probably won't run to that one, but Logic <laughs> is coming out in June. Uh, look, Joey Badass, like Kendrick Lamar, this will be his first full-length album in five Five years. And we loved All-American Badass. Oh, so was. I think that was my album of the year that year. It was. It was that year for you. Yeah, So, and it was close because Dan was in the top five. 444 was up there. 2017 was good. It was a good year. And like I said, Freddie Gibbs. Though I'm a little – and y'all know I love Freddie Gibbs up here because that's been an ongoing theme since literally the beginning of the show. But – I'm a little bit nervous about I am the album coming out because, one, just a lot of producers are rumored to be on it. Mm. So it sounds like it's going to be an attempt at going commercial, too. Um, I've liked not loved some of the Lucy's that's come out. Didn't like Four Things at all with Big Sean. And there's another one where I'm like, eh. But Black Illuminati was dope and Big Boss Rabbit was pretty good. And also, he keeps, like, fucking getting fucked up and, like, beefing with people. And I, I don't like that. That scares you know, me. I don't, I don't want no rappers to die, yo. Or at like, least I, not I, any or, rappers I heard of before. Because sometimes rappers be dying that I ain't never heard of before. Yo, but so, I hope yo, they're okay, too. But, um, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got to walk that back. Um, yeah. Freddie Gibbs, uh, I agree. Like, I hope. And I also thought the album was coming sooner. And there's something about what he does with Al on them records where it's just that one sound that weaves it all together that may, or with Mad Lib, for instance. Like, yep. like, so it does get a little tricky when you start sprinkling in different producers. It takes certain ears to compose those records and make it a, a project and not just a compilation of songs. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm still excited for Freddie. Yeah. There's not a date. He was just saying June, and I don't know what the update is. But yeah, Joey Badass Logic. And also... Dex, you hit me to this one. Danger Mouse and Black Thought. Oh, Black Thought. Thought. Can't wait for yeah. oh, that's an, that's that. That's an August. No Gold Teeth song? Yeah. yeah. That, song. that joint is dope. Yeah, and, I listened to and, it finally. And you know what's crazy, Greg? I've been, you know, <laughs> Greg, you know, Greg, you know this too, because you, you remember when the rumored Dangerous Thoughts was supposed to come out way years ago. That was uh-huh. talked about with him and Danger Mouse. So the fact they're finally getting this done, oh. woo, I can't wait. Um, there should be some good stuff coming out this year, like you mentioned, uh, Brian. Hopefully, Static Selector should be dropping another compilation project. Maybe we get something from might, Cole. We might the get the TV run. We should start to see that go, right? Yo, no? cool. yeah. J-Rock, let's go. Yeah, Absol just Absol dropped Absol. a single that was pretty good. Cool. I like that. Cool boy Q. Cool yeah, boy Q. Cool boy Q. Yeah, I like that soccer dad joint. I'm yeah. a soccer dad, kind of. Basketball dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, nah, it's dope. This year should be a good year. Um, but we EPMD we, supposed to drop an album this year, apparently. Who's supposed to drop, out, drop an album? EPMD. Oh, really? I'm looking at, I'm looking at a list now. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Greg, Greg, I'm, with, Greg, yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm yeah, I know. Sure. I know. Sure. I know. Sure. You want to guess the name what of the album? Doing? You want to guess the name of the album? You probably get it in one shot. Big business. Duh. Always <laughs> business. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, no. no. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. No. Don't call it a comeback. Yeah. Yeah. See, Nas put him on the remix of the EPMD too. And then he was like, yo, we got to do this. And it's like, Oh shit! You might be Didn't right. Need though, we need to. We need to. Right. Drop, drop detox if you have it. I don't care. It's not I don't care how long it's been. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. Not not happening. All right, we're we're out of time. Greg has been uh, more than gracious to give us time to talk about the Heat and Good Kid, Man City. Uh, Greg has got the Heat back in the finals. Brian has them too. We will see what happens with that. Please check out Greg Five Reason Sports. Everything that he does. Be sure to check it out. Also. Let us know your thoughts on the Kendrick album and what you think. Uh, please follow us at AHTT Podcast and all the social media platforms and continue to hit that subscribe button on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. He is Greg Sylvander. Thank you, Greg, for joining us. We really, really appreciate you chopping it up with us about everything, including hip-hop. We'll have to have you back. 
That is Brian Fonseca. He is way too happy in his Miami Heat red. Too Conference too finals are going to be good. A lot of 88-84 finals. Can't yes, wait. Can't wait for that. That's, 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 first team to 95 wins. First team to 95 wins. That's that's exactly how Brian likes it. He loves it that way. All right, I'm Dexter Henry. Brian Fonseca and Greg Sylvander. Another great episode, 224 of the Hotel Podcast. Until next time, y'all. Peace.